What's going on, assets? We are back here live with the Asset Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam Lopate, and we are talking everything real estate. We are here in the new year. It's exciting time. Um, I just want to start with talking about potentially how new people get into the industry, um, how young guys and people that don't have a lot of money could really start to getting into real estate. And it's kind of how I got started, and it's where I see most investors really get started with a technique called wholesaling. Um, wholesaling is a great way to get started. Why? Because it requires little to no money. Um, you could really start, you know, with just a cell phone and a laptop. Um, and all you really need to be is, you know, consistent, hardworking. Um, wholesaling is a technique of, you know, you're putting properties under contract that are distressed from a homeowner and you're in, in essence flipping that contract or selling that contract to an investor for more money. So let's say we find Mary Susan. Uh, she has a property and you agree to buy it to her for 100000 uh, what you're going to do is you're going to find an investor who, you know, in essence, you're going to play musical chairs, is going to come in and take your spot as the buyer, but he's going to pay more than 100000 for it. And the difference between the 100000 and what he buys it for is profit in your pocket. Now, obviously, if you're doing things right and you're learning how to do it the right way, it really requires little to no risk because you're never actually owning the property. Um, and again, it really requires little to no money because before you actually close on the property, you're going to be selling the contract to somebody else who will be purchasing it. Now, this is how I got started in the industry. And it's a great technique because it allows you to learn the environment, learn the area, see how numbers shake out, and also allows you to build your network with investors around the world. Um, so uh, for those of you that are not sure where to get started, I think wholesaling is a great technique. And from that, you can take wholesaling and you could you know, start to, you know, increase how much cash reserves you have, you can start to learn, and then you can start to actually start purchasing. And from there, it's almost like you're leveling up, you buy single families, you move on, you start buying bigger projects, eventually, you can start buying mobile home parks, or you can start buying hotels. But again, you have to start somewhere. And it's very important to know that it's, you know, you should be walking before you run. And you want to make sure you're learning from experienced people. So what we're going to do today is we have Chris Rude here from Louisiana from the Deep South. Uh, we're going to bring on Chris. He is an experienced wholesaler, uh, started off with wholesaling, moved into mobile home parks. Let's get his perspective and, and see exactly how his journey went. Chris, welcome. Thank you, man. Um, starting with wholesaling is, is not entirely the truth of where I started. I actually started with, with, um, with buy and hold. And, um, but we can get into that, but I, I wanted to clarify that. And that's, I made a big mistake by trying to buy properties and holding them first. And we're going to get into the correct gradient, the correct manner of education in, as a real estate investor and starting in real estate. You don't want to start off with trying to just buy and hold. You should absolutely start off with wholesaling to your point, like you said earlier, because it shows you how to find deals, right? If you don't know how to find deals, you, you, you piss it in the wind. You can't, ju you, you can't just, just because you go around buying real estate, don't make you a professional real estate investor. It makes you a retail buyer. You got to know what to buy, how to buy it, how cheaply discounted, how deeply discounted in the right areas, the whole nine yards. Otherwise, you just go around buying properties because a realtor said, oh, this is a good deal. You get yourself in a lot of trouble like I did. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's great to hear from your perspective how, you know, you're able to just own up and be, you know, mature enough to realize you made a mistake and you, you could have uh, done things a different way. And, and that's really all it is, is a learning experience. Um, you know, I, it's, it's good to, to, to learn how to do things the right way. I, I see a lot of people get that sort of, uh, you know, energetic flow to them that they want to just jump right in and, and they're not, they don't want to be patient. They want to 
become a, you know, financially free and they want to quit their jobs, become real estate investors. And they don't even think about, you know, where to start. They kind of just jump right in. And for some people, you know, you, you learn the hard way and some people it ends up working out. It really depends how it shakes out for you. Um, where are you at now with, with real estate? So I, I, I want to jump forward and then we're going to jump back. Where, where so, are you at now? What do you own? Right now we are at about 35 million in holdings in mobile home parks, Airbnbs, um, commercial buildings. Um, I'm, I'm focusing on developing neighborhoods right now. We have two neighborhoods we're developing right now. One's almost done and one we're about to start. Um, it's kind of what, what I'm focusing on going into the future, developing neighborhoods, developing RV parks and mobile home parks um, from scratch. So that's, how, long that's where, ago, how long ago was it from when you bought your first buy and hold? I bought my first buy and hold. Well, I bought my first house when I was 25 that I lived in, um, 25 years old. Well, no, I'm sorry. Back up. I built my house when I was 22 years old, a spec house. Um, I sold that house when I was 26. I made $127,000. That was my first flip I ever did. I was pure luck, pure speculation, pure. That was three months before the 2008 financial real estate crash, by the way. Most of you guys are probably too young to remember that. Y'all were, y'all were probably either not born or you know babies, right, or teenagers. So 2007, the, the whole real estate market uh, just crashed, right? And I sold that house three months at the top of the top of the peak of the market. And uh, I took that money and invested it into another piece of real estate, which was a, a quick lube mechanic shop, auto glass, window tinting shop here in my town. And and um, bought my bought a, a physical location for my business, my second location. That was kind of the start of my journey as a as a real estate investor. And then long story short was, I started a business out of the back of my truck when I was 22 years old, changing oil and washing cars and, and doing auto glass repairs, fixing chips and replacing windshields and scaled that to, you know, a couple of trucks and a couple um, trailers with, with three employees and um, took that. And by the time I graduated college, I was making a hundred grand a year doing that out of the back of my truck. I was like, I'm not getting a job. But I said, I told myself, I can't continue to do this. This is not a scalable model. So I told my wife, I said, man, everybody's selling our house and getting top dollar. Let's put our house for sale. So we painted a couple of rooms, landscaped the front, put it for sale, made 126000 And three months later, and I p- took that and bought, bought my, uh, my second shop. I had leased out a shop three months prior to that. So um, bought a foreclosure after that. Lived in that for, um, I fixed that up. I lived in it for 18 months. In between that, I flipped a piece of land that I was going to build a big house on and made 40 grand. Used that to buy another physical location, another piece of real estate to, as a mechanic shop. Then flipped uh, that other foreclosure, took that money, rolled it into my business again, which was another physical location, a property. And I had four locations. We're doing about $3 million in revenue. This is probably 2007, 8, 9. Um, that I did that and, you know, I did that for a while and got so busy with that. I stopped doing real estate. You know, I stopped even looking at real estate. I had 33 employees making a lot of money for a young 27, 26 year old. So I was like, I'm gonna focus on this. I did that for quite a while for about four or five years. I was like, I, I couldn't see myself continuing to do that long term. So I was like, okay, real estate got me here. Real estate can take me to the next level. So I started, I read rich dad, poor dad, I think in 2000, nine or 10. I think a lot of people read that book and like, Oh man, yeah, I need to, I need to buy some houses, right? I need to buy some assets, right? Um, got with a realtor, 
this is before I knew how to do direct to seller marketing to find my own off market properties, deeply discounted for motivated sellers, right? The wholesale model. And I got with a realtor and, and you guys can learn from this. Don't ever get your financial real estate advice from a realtor. They are not Never. professionals. <laughs> they are transaction coordinators for real estate. They're going to pretend to know, they're going to know everything about anything you need to know in real estate. They, they're going to pretend that they know stuff because they got this glorified license that don't mean shit, right? That's like that's like saying you should get you know business advice from somebody that's got a business degree. That business degree don't mean shit, right? What have they done? What have they accomplished in the real world, right? So made that first mistake by listening to her. I bought like thirty something single family homes from her. Almost, you know, I made a bunch of offers, try to get it for cheap as I could, and I would buy it eighty, ninety cents on the dollar, getting fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month in rent, and the market crashed in two thousand fourteen here in the south um we're heavily dependent on oil and gas right and the oil went from 128 dollars a barrel to 28 dollars a barrel and we lost tens of thousands of jobs and all these high paying jobs that were renting my uh, single family homes they all either went you know couldn't afford it they lost their jobs so i literally started losing you know a lot of tenants and i started losing revenue at my four locations because a lot of my business was heavily dependent on oil and gas and we had a bunch of fleet accounts they all sort of going bankrupt and moving to texas i was losing twenty thirty thousand dollars at, at, at one time in my business and i was i was going i was going bk i was about to go bankrupt i was stroking checks for 20 30 grand but i started searching on the internet on youtube on what um you know real estate investing and then this this black guy came up started saying that you can flip contracts and not properties and make a bunch of money and this is 2010 11 oh no i'm sorry it's 2014 um when i started looking at that on um and i was like shit i need to learn how to do that i mean that's that's where i because i realized that all these single family homes i bought they were they were all i, I overpaid for them they, i was upside down or at par- parity of what they were worth so i started selling off all the single family homes i lost forty five thousand dollars on one of them ten thousand on another broke even on a few made a couple bucks on some made five ten grand on some but lucky enough to get out of all of them over time and then eventually i um i stumbled upon wholesaling and realized that man, this is the way to go. I can, I can buy, I can put a property in a contract, flip it and make 10, 15, 20 grand without actually buying it. It's like, shit, this is the way to go. So hired three mentors back to back to back. First mentor stole $50,000 from me. I had him arrested. His name's Fabian Calvo. You look it up. I had him arrested back in 2015 or 16. Um, he got on drugs, but, but right at the same time that I hired him and my next two mentors are pretty good and uh, learned a bunch of stuff. And I started crushing it, man. I was always good at sales, right? I was a natural born salesperson. That's why I was able to scale my, my quick lube mechanic shops. And I, I ended up doing so well, they asked me to go work in their sales department for their coaching company. And I got to see the back end of a coaching company and realized that I was better at this than my own coaches. And um, ended up starting a coaching company after that and then started um, making a bunch of money, partnering up with my students, wholesaling and flipping all over the country. And then I was like, shit, man, I'm, I'm making a bunch of money. I'm ready to reinvest. But I told myself, hey, I don't want to get back into single family homes. And that's where my journey in mobile home park started. So um, I can, I, I'll stop because I've been talking a lot. Of, if you want to interrupt and ask questions, I, I can see you looking at me. It's time to, it's time to interrupt me. <laughs> no worries. No, I, I, you know, I just want to say I appreciate the story because 
it just goes to show, right? We're humans, we're people, things happen. Yep. And you started off with things were great. I had this, 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 this. I was making a hundred grand a year. I bought my first property, made a hundred thousand on it. And then you start to see, you know, things in life happen, right? And I, I look at real estate like it's a roller coaster. Things in life don't Not just happen, Adam. It, they will happen. I wanna I wanna make sure your audience understand you have a young audience. This entrepreneur game, it's not always fairy tales and rainbows and lollipops like you see on Instagram. You know, influencers taking pictures in front of the Lambos. That's all fake shit. It's rough. It's brutal. It's hot. It's heavy. You better have thick skin and you got to be smart. And it's not always good. And when things are good, just understand they're not always going to be like that. And when things are bad, understand it's not always going to be bad. It's going to get back good again. It's cyclical. So I just want to make sure you guys understand. That's why I like to tell stories and tell my whole entrepreneurial journey. I almost went bankrupt twice, once in 2008, once in 2014, right? This shit is not for the faint of heart. So let me ask you this. How were you able to persevere through that, through such tough times where you thought, you know, you're potentially going to go bankrupt? How, what, what got you through that? You got to put it in four low, man. I'm from the deep south. I, I grew up in four-wheel drives and off-roading. You got you to gotta put it in four low and you just got to keep moving, even if you only move an inch or another inch. And you just – sometimes you got to go slow to go fast again, right? So you just got to understand the point of what I'm trying to tell you is you just can't quit. Right. No matter how I had maxed out every one of my credit cards, all my lines of credit. I didn't know how I was going to make payroll. I didn't know how I was going to do a lot of things. But I just I just kept I, I kept controlling the controllables. I, I tried to stop worrying about what I couldn't control and I became resourceful. What does that mean? It means controlling the controllables. It means looking inside of your current environment. What is an asset? What is a liability? What is, where, where can I reach from to try to get me to the get me out of this hole. And it's, it took me, man, it took me years to pay all that stuff back. I mean, I, it took me probably five years to get all that stuff paid back just to get out of that rut. But you just don't quit, Adam. You, and that's what you have to understand. You don't got to be that smart in business. You don't need more brains. You need more balls. Okay. And that's what you, these younger entrepreneurs, you need to understand. You don't got to be that smart. I, I barely passed high school. I cheated my way through college. My wife wrote all my papers. I ain't that smart, guys, but I got balls of steel. And that's what you need to understand. You, you, need, to, you need to grow that mental muscle, that stress muscle, that perseverance muscle. And how do you do that? You got to take a little bit of risk and do it on a gradient scale. I'm not saying go out there and borrow $100 million worth of debt to buy real estate. Start off with a single family home. Start off slow and, and get your... Get your willy wet, right? And, 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 get, and get your uh, experience up and your mental capacity will grow. But that don't mean go around and start buying all kind of real estate like I did. You got to know how to buy right. You got to buy super discounted. I'm going to give you guys some advice on this. It doesn't sound that great, but it's the truth. I don't speak, you know, all bullshit. I speak the truth. If you can't steal it, do not buy it. That is how I operate as a real estate investor. And you're not a retail buyer. You don't go around and buy off of emotion because it's a cute little pretty house. Oh, I just, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll pay retail value for it because it's a cute house. You should not go around and do that. Uh, I did that and I got hurt. You, that, that works out in some cases. You know, if you're buying in a trending market at the bottom of the market cycle, but you can't buy at the top of the market cycle, at top of the price, and expect that things are going to keep going up. They don't keep going up. Like right, right now, we're at the top of the market cycle. Everything's coming down now. Do you think you should pay full price for a property right now? I don't think you should pay full price for ever. a property ever. You know, if, if you're buying a property as an investment or as an investor, 
you should always be paying at least 80% of market value. I try to get them for 70, 60, the, the, you know, below, you know, it really depends on the condition, but we're not retail home buyers, right? We're not buying homes to live in them. People like that, they pay retail and that's fine because they're not buying it as an investment. They're buying it to live in it, to raise their family in it. And they're okay paying a little bit more money to, to kind of live that thrill or to have those enjoyments in life. But uh, if you're going to be smart and you're going to be practical, I would never say buy something. No, at market value. you can buy stuff at market value. I've bought a few properties, Airbnbs on the beach at market value, but I bought them at the bottom of the market cycle. Like I have a beach house in Destin, Florida, you know, it's worth two and a half million bucks, but I paid 1.1 for it, you know, six years ago. Right. And I still thought I was overpaying back then, but I saw how, how much demand there was for that area. So I was willing to take in. Plus it was a great area and I, I can make sense of it as investment because I could use it to vacation. But right now we're at the top of the, if you can, if, if to be a good entrepreneur and a good real estate investor, all you need to understand is market cycles, right? Trends and cycles. What goes up must come down. What goes down will go back up. We went up. We've been going up for the past 10 years. We have flatlined and we are coming down. So there's an old saying, you don't, you don't want to catch a, a falling knife, right? You got to be even more careful right now as the market's coming down that you don't catch a knife and overpay for something because it's going to go down even more. It is extra crucial right now that you buy deeply discounted. And if you can't steal it, don't buy it, right? I would say even... So let's, yep. let's dive into that. What, what, what strategies or, or how exactly do you go about finding these properties as deeply discounted as you do? What, what strategies are you using so to we, get them that cheap? So we have a few different strategies. I mean, we, we do a ton of direct mail. I mean, we, up until about uh, November of last year, um, October, November, we were spending probably $52,000 a month in direct-to-seller marketing. Lots and lots of uh, direct mail, lots and lots of PPC, Facebook, SEO. Um, I don't do a whole lot of cold calling. We do some cold calling for commercial stuff like, you know, bigger properties, RV parks, mobile home parks, but um, mostly PPC and direct mail. So the key is, is to learn how to do direct to seller marketing. There's three, there's three cornerstones to being a professional real estate investor, right? That's direct to seller marketing, then learning how to raise private money. And then the third and most important, which is probably the hardest, I say it's the hardest, it takes the most courage. It don't take necessarily a lot of money, it takes courage. And that's building a brand. Building a personal brand where everybody knows what you do, who you are, and how you can help them. And the brand is actually senior to raising private money and direct to seller marketing because the brand will actually get you a lot of off-market deals organically that you ain't got to spend money on. The last seven, eight deals I bought was actually all from my brand from students of mine bringing me deals because, or, or people that know me because I have such a large presence on social media, a lot of followers, that they bring me deals, right? So I'm able to get deals off-market that other people would never better get. And then I can raise private money from my social media account because people know that I know what I'm doing, right? So they want to invest in my deals. So those three things, those are, you got to master the fundamentals. It's not, you, you can't get all tactical until you guys master the basics, master the basic fundamentals, right? And then you can get tactical, right? Learn direct to seller marketing, which is wholesaling. Start learning how to raise private money so you can buy deals that nobody else can buy for cash. Build that brand. Yeah, I, I think building that brand, like you said, is definitely one of the top priorities. Um, people say, you know, when I first got in, how did, how did you become, how, how do you build a brand, right? I want to I figure out how exactly you started off building your brand and what your brand is. 
Uh, I say just, you know, the, the small little things, right? Don't try to move mountains overnight. Um, go on your Instagram page and change your profile to real estate investor. When you're out at the bar, when you're at family parties, when you're at holiday events, gatherings, when they ask, what do you do? I'm a real estate investor. Just having people associate real estate or real estate investing with you. And that's, you know, one of the first things they think about when your name pops up, that's how you build your brand, right? Don't expect to, you know, become Adidas or Nike overnight. You got to be able to start somewhere and don't expect to move mountains. So how exactly, what is your brand? How did you scale that up? Because that, well, that is one of the most There's a couple things. ways to do it. Um, if you don't have it, there's a way to do it. If you got money and you want to go fast, there's a way to do it if you don't have any money, right? Um, I'll start off with the way that I did it because I was already a pretty successful guy in my early 20s because I already had started, I had those four locations. I was a multi-millionaire by the time I was 27 years old, right? Um, the way the way I did it, you know, is that I got around other people with big brands, right? And I paid to, to get influence from them, right? You know, I guess I got hooked up with Grant Cardone, right? I sponsored GrowthCon two years in a row. That was a lot of money. It was $100,000 a pop. But what's what's the what's the ROI on that, right? What the amount of eyeballs that got to see me? I I did a couple interviews with him, right? I had a TV show with him for a little while, and did content to his audience. So that's the fast way to do it, which most of you guys probably don't have that means. But if you do, I would you know get hooked up with other influencers, you know, and, and pay to them to shout you out or pay them to you know do some some content with you so you can get their followers. Then you can you can run paid ads. I did a lot of that. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on paid ads, right? To 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 put out content, to push your content out to the 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 world, and they can follow you, so they can know you. Now, if you don't have any money, you're gonna have to do it the organic way, which I've done a lot of that too when I had businesses, right? Um, that is everywhere you go, you tell everybody what you do, how you do it, and how you can help them. It's like you just said, picnics, uh, family gatherings. Posting on social media. Listen, you guys live in the greatest time to be alive as an entrepreneur. Never in world history could you connect with so many people for free. You get 5,000 followers just on your personal social media. And then you start a business page and it's unlimited. You need to be, and here's another thing about doing it organically. You just have to be consistent and not quit. Even if you only get one like or no likes, you just got to keep posting. Just because nobody likes it doesn't mean they didn't see it, Right? And it's just brand awareness, being consistent over and over, posting, you know, at least a couple times a day or minimally once a day. And that, and, and that's, that goes for building a business brand or even a personal brand, right? Agreed. It's, I think the, the key word, key takeaway is consistency. Um, I, I think social media put this, this, this image in our head that everything comes quick. You know, things are fast. And, and yes, we do live in a time where it is fast and it is, you know, quick pace, but you still got to be consistent. It's not going to happen overnight, even with the biggest social media brand. You you have to be consistent. You have to post every day. You want people to be yep. almost annoyed by how much you're posting. Stop caring oh, man. what people okay. think that's, about you. Just post. That's a whole other topic. Post, post, because that, the return on that, yeah, the return on that is... is, that, is that's is the, I would say that is probably the number one mindset skill you guys are going to have to develop as young entrepreneurs is the art of not giving a fuck. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to develop that. True that. And that is a whole nother skill by itself because we're so worried about our mom, our daddy, our cousin, our buddies from high school or college. Worried about you. So worried about what other people think because you just haven't worked on yourself enough, right? And you, you, 
you're going to have, if you're going to build this, this personal brand or build your business and you're going to get loud on social media, you're going to have to stop worrying about what people think about you. And you're going to stop, you're going to have to stop hanging around with your loser friends from high school, drop your loser buddies from college. that still partying on the weekends. And I, I fancy myself, I don't have any friends. I have allies. Friends give me hangovers. Allies help me make money. I only hang out with other entrepreneurs that are doing as good as me or better. And if you're not doing as good as me and you want to hang out with me, you better be giving me some value. You're either paying me or are we doing a business deal or you're giving me value. There's four, four core principles I live by. This may sound like shit, but they work, right? I'm a no bullshit kind of guy. Number one, if you don't give me value or I'm not giving you value. Two, if you're not paying me or I'm not paying you. Three, if you don't come from my body or I don't come from your body. And number four, if you're not having sex with me, I ain't fucking with you. That's just how it is. And that's how a lot of entrepreneurs and high performance people think. Those four things, right? If you, if you just, that'll cut out all the bullshit people out of your life, right? Now, obviously, I, you know, I give a special favor to my kids because they come from my body or my parents because I come from their body and my wife because she has sex with me and my allies who are who? My business friends, right? Now, people that give me value, I give them value or they're paying me and I'm paying them. And that's how business-minded people think. And this is not, if you follow Adam and you're here, you're business-oriented, entrepreneurial-minded, right? You're not cut from the average cloth. You don't, you don't think like everybody else, and that's a good thing. You don't want to get caught up in the freaking group think, the mob. That's what they are, man. The, the rest of the masses are, are caught up in you know, drinking every weekend and partying, smoking weed, and, and just this mindless entertainment, right? This endless fucking entertainment of you know, partying, watching sports, watching porn, doing drugs, and just constant needing of entertainment and sensation. That's, that's what the general population consists of. True that. And you have to be able to sacrifice. You got to know what you want for the future, what you're working towards. And you got to be able to sacrifice now. Sacrifice the fun. Sac- sacrifice those weekends because what you can create now and the sooner you get started, the larger this thing becomes. And, you know, you got to put yourself first. You got to re- recognize what your priorities are, what you're trying to be. Do you want to be a loser your whole life? Do you want to be a bum? Is this is this the way you want to live? Can you give up going out to the nightclub on the weekends with your friends so that you can be a multimillionaire? These are questions you need to wake up and ask yourself in the morning. I gave up partying at 22. I, I, was, I was a rock star with no guitar from 17 to 22. Did a lot of drugs and alcohol and partying. I was trying to be somebody I wasn't. Because I was hanging around a bunch of losers, right? right? And, what, and you are, that is the old cliche, you are the company you keep. And if you hang out with a bunch of gangsters, you will become a gangster. If you hang around a bunch of millionaires, you will eventually become a millionaire. So guard your environment like it's sacred. Don't just hang around people because for the sake of hanging around with them. Dude, get around people that are doing better than you. And that takes a lot of courage. And, and the way you do that is you, you, go to, you, you get a part of groups like this, right? Asset Estate Podcast. Or you go and you go to masterminds. You hire coaches and mentors that, are, that have the success you want. And you will become who you study. That's just, that's, this, that's just the nature. That's not my rule. That's just how the natural law of order of this universe works. You become who you study and watch. True that. And you want to be watching the people that are successful, the people that are doing the things that you want to do. That's how you're able to emulate or how you can kind of manifest, you know, joining that or becoming that one day. So uh, that's 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 great. Building your brand. It's most important. It's the epicenter, the mecca of becoming a real estate investor, of, you know, boosting to the next level. 
you talked about direct mail marketing being, um, you know, being able to contact direct to sellers. How were you able to create this direct mail service? What kind of advice could you get started on how people can increase the amount of contact they have with the outside and, and motivated sellers? So we use a company called uh, yellowletters.shop. Rob, Rob Swanson owns it. Uh, yellowletters.shop. He, um, been using him for seven, eight years. Um, tell him I sent you. You do all direct mail marketing? No, no that, that's just who I use for direct mail. But I, I do, we do PPC, which is Google AdWords. Um, you ever heard of the Google AdWords? PPC? Where it's like SEO when people, well, you're saying a, when people Google SC, sell, sell my house cash. Yeah, correct. You're, you're the correct. First well, SEO is different than PPC. SEO is your web, your personal website pops up. PPC is a paid ad that, that's at the very top. At the very top, you have the PPC ads that it says AD, which means advertising. Yeah. And then underneath you have the people's websites, which is SEO. But we do a lot of PPC. We do a lot of SEO. Um, people actually click on those PPC ads oh, where it says absolutely. ad next to it? That's been one of my best um, advertisements. Um, I'm not going to lie. I scroll right past that and go to the first really? website. It, myself, it, it, well, but I guess I'm not an everyday. Well, and, I, and that's why I, I, we do a ton of SEO too. I'm usually, I'm number, I'm, I'm in number one in a lot of my markets I'm in, but um, on SEO side, but we do PPC in conjunction with the SEO and it's going to give you the highest return on your investment. But PPC is not cheap, right? It's, it's, it's gotten super expensive from the time I started. I would say the best Return on your money right now is going to probably be cold calling, direct mail, then PPC. But PPC is going to give you the highest quality leads, but they're expensive. I'm going to throw something in your bandwagon here. Um, I think the cheapest and the best way to get leads is texting. Yeah, I know a lot of people doing texting. S SMS, yeah. because I tell, I say, I ask these questions. You know, if, if somebody calls you off a random phone number, what are the chances you answer it? What if I texted you off a random phone number? What are the chances you read it? Yeah, so I like that approach because, you know, the more eyes you get on the question you're asking, are you looking to sell your house, the more results you get, the better feedback you get, and the more deals you get over over time. So I think SMS, for me personally, my market has been the best way to get direct to sellers, especially in this, this day and age. For me, uh, you know, in Philly, people here are just, they don't like, they, they don't read their mail. You know, we don't even have mailboxes. We have little slots in the door. And when you go to most people's houses, the first thing you step on when you walk in is all the junk mail that they decided not to pick up yet. So it's really just a doormat is direct mail marketers here in Philly. And I found the best success. Here and and you just because you split tested it, and that's a good observation. And I tell I, I talked about this in my book that I wrote about direct to seller marketing and, and wholesaling. Um, you got to split test, measure, adapt and change your market. What works in one market, we're in six different markets. What works in one market doesn't necessarily work that well in another market. Right. And you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to track your KPIs and see what works. Like, you know, we do really well with, with direct mail here in Lafayette, but we don't do that well in Baton Rouge. You know, I do really well with, um, PPC in, in Panama city and that panhandle area of Florida that we work in, but the, you know, direct mail doesn't work as well. So it's just, you have to split test these things. And, and, and if you want to pick up that free book, you can go to the source of the deal.com and you can have your free ebook if you want to read it it's all about what we're talking about 100 percent. and and the only way to scale a business is tracking the data you use the term called kpis which for those that don't know is key performance indicators those are what drives your business those are what increase your revenue this is what increases how many deals you get how much money you're making and a lot of people i'd say 75 percent to 80 people they they don't even 
uh, track it's, this type of data. And they think that it's, it's keeping track. It's just, basic fundamentals is keeping track of your, of your statistics, right? No different when you used to collect baseball, basketball, football cards, right? They have what? Their stats on the back. That's their K- KPIs. It shows you what their performance is on the field. Just like your, your business has a performance. You need to track it. You need to know how well you're doing. It's just like exactly a baseball team. If your if your pitcher is throwing a hundred strikes, uh, you know, a season, and you got someone who's throwing sixty, who do you expect to do better in the game? You're going to put the guy that's throwing a hundred strikes. You know, it's 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 the same thing. So we've built the brands, right? We've went out, we've shown people, we've uh, portrayed us as being investors. We've built our brand. Now we have, you know, kind of figured out which type of marketing strategy that is works best in our area, uh, as far as you know direct the seller and how you can get direct with these people to ask them these questions of, are they looking to sell their property? And the third thing you said was raising capital. Now, what type of strategies, what type of advice can you give on how people can raise capital to purchase the projects that they Man, get? Man, a lot, from their you know, I say a lot. I don't want to say all, but there's a good amount of people on here that know somebody that's got a rich family member or they know somebody that's a friend of a friend that's got a bunch of money. And what you start doing is you start networking with people who have money, right? And you start offering the opportunities, but you're not going to do that until you learn how to find deals. Because if you don't have deals and you bring a deal to somebody that's got money that's trying to raise money on and he looks at it and he could tell it's not a deal. These aren't dummies, right? They know what they're, they're doing. They didn't get money by being a dummy. So you got to understand how to find a deal first. That's why direct to seller marketing and learning how to, the art of sourcing a deal and finding a good deal is the primary undercut of the foundation of starting as a real estate investor, right? The, it's the ABCs and the one, two, threes of real estate, how to find a deal, right? And you find a deal doing direct to seller marketing and finding properties from, you know, heavily discounted off market properties to motivated sellers. If you have a, a property that's at 40 cents on the dollar under contract and you show the contract to some, a buddy of a friend who's got a bunch of money and you book a meeting with him and say, hey, I don't want to waste your time, but look, I have this property I'd like to partner up with you on. Here's the comps on it. I just pulled the comps of my realtor. It's worth, you know, 240000 and I got it for 80000 and it needs forty grand worth of work. How can we lose on that, Mr. Private Investor? Now, if, you lend, if you lend the money to me, I'll, I'll pay you 12% interest, plus I'll maybe give you 20% profits on the back end, right? And he may, you may have to give up half the profit in the beginning so he can trust you. But once you get a bunch of deals done, then you'll have, you'll build up credibility, you'll build up certainty, and then all of these investors... We'll start trusting you more. And then guess what? He's got friends that with money because people with money hang out with other people got money and then they'll tell their buddy. And then you just keep doing that and you keep showing what you're doing. And then another way to do that is to show the opportunity on social media. Hey, I just bought this house. I got this house in a contract. I'm looking for a partner. Um, if you're interested in partnering with me on it to flip it, inbox me, right? Do a Facebook Live or take pictures of it. Um, there's, you just got to get creative. You got to be willing to put yourself out there. And that's like the, really the, the main thing. You got to be willing to put yourself out there, which goes back to not giving a fuck. True. And you got to get creative. Like you said, if you believe in something or you have a product or something that you're looking to rehab a real estate investment, if you believe in it and you know for a fact you can profit on it, you got to be able to sell that to other people to be able to feel that same passion. And you got to be creative. Find rich people, look for people with money, doctors, lawyers, people that have full-time jobs who don't have time to kind of play in the real estate market, but still want to invest money in it passively. Use their money, show them that you can be the expert, that they can trust you with their money, build that relationship and sell them on what you have. Don't don't come to them with 
hey, I want to borrow money. I want to invest in real estate. Bring an actual deal. Like you said, here's the deal. Here's the numbers. I know what I'm talking about. Prove to them that you are a valuable person to to, to being able to invest money into real estate and, and show that to them. And, you know, that first uh, that first, you know, meeting or that first um, I'm, I'm blanking on the word that you make with the person is is, you know, right. you only the, can make uh, that one first impression. Yeah, your first impression you can only make once, and um, you got to be able to believe in it. Don't half-ass it, and, and, well, and well, be all about it. Another be good all in. point that you guys can think with: if you're gonna do anything in life and learn, and you're gonna grow, another skill you got to develop is the willingness to look stupid. Nobody knows everything, and and are naturally born with knowing how to do different skill sets in business or real estate. The people that are willing to look the most stupid are the people that are going to learn the fastest. I'm willing to look stupid. I put myself in silly situations and made myself look stupid because I didn't know. A lot of people aren't even willing to look stupid, so therefore they never find out how to do stuff because they're so worried about what other people think about them. Be willing to look stupid. True. And have that core belief in yourself. Uh, My girlfriend says I have this crazy trait where I could walk on a basketball court. I could look LeBron James in the eyes and tell him I'd beat him one-on-one. You know, and I would believe I have this core belief in myself that I would beat him one on one if we were to play one on one. So just having that core belief in yourself, taking a shot on yourself, taking a risk, because the end of the day, the only person yeah. that can do that. You definitely you want to have belief in yourself, right? You would definitely want to be a dreamer, but you also got to be a realist. I'm an optim. I'm a pessimistic realist, right? Or pe- or a, I'm a how can I put this without sounding like too negative, right? I'm a. I'm an optimistic realist, meaning I, I'm very optimistic. I know I know what I can do. I know I can stretch myself. But you also got to know your core competencies, and, and you got to you got to play in the edge of your core competencies, right? Um, I know that I'm not going to play in an NBA, right? And I, I, you know, you said you 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 might want to think that you can beat LeBron James, but realistically, you'll never beat LeBron James. <laughs> you got to think like that as a business owner too. You don't want to just start a business because oh, I can just make this business work even though all the odds are stacked against you. You always got to go into business with a strategic advantage. You guys need to read The Art of War. Business is war. If you can't cheat legally, morally, and ethically, legally, morally, and ethically, write that shit down, you have no business starting that business, right? You must have an unfair advantage. That's the cool thing about business is that you can cheat legally, morally, and ethically. You can collaborate with people. You can hire the best people to do the job. You can get you hire counsel and, and get advice from people that have been there. You can't do that shit in school. But in business, you can cheat legally, morally, and ethically. You just got to be smart about it and play within your means of your core competencies and understand your boundary lines. Don't go past that. Don't, don't intentionally make yourself lose. Business is hard enough. You might as well play unfair. Chris Rude giving the nitty gritty, man. Cheat or that's, get cheated. That's how the business world works. That's really man. the way that people, the way that business nah, that works. That doesn't mean be a, a, a scumbag and a tool bag and just do unethical stuff. But there's a sure. you I'm just saying stack the odds in your favor, right? Play unfair. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying play illegally. I'm not saying play unethical. I'm saying prepare. Do your homework. Stack the odds in your favor to where you mitigate your risk, you mitigate your losses, and you have an unfair advantage. That's all I'm saying. What would be an unfair advantage? What would be a? Let me give you an example. What would be a you know a an unfair advantage? Say with 
with with you guys that are younger. You know, an unfair advantage would be going to masterminds because most people ain't willing to do that. Hiring coaches, most people ain't willing to do that. Reading books, most people ain't willing to read a book on on you know the topic that you want to learn. Um, hiring great talent in your business that you really you know that's going to be tough for you to afford, right? Um, you're gonna have to figure out these things to. And if you have no strategic advantage at all and you feel like you have no skills, right? Because I wasn't very talented when I was younger. But it took, you need to learn the art and skill about working everybody. That's what I did. Can you give us a specific example in life where you outsmarted someone or you, 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 no, I, I started the, I started the on-site all change company and I called it Rude Lube, right? You hadn't been lubed, so you've been Rude Lube. And, um, that's uh, th- that's pretty funny, right? You for one, you're gonna remember that, and two, most people aren't willing to do start an on-site all change business, right? It's kind of dirty. You get full of oil. Just most, you got to do shit that most people ain't willing to do, right? And that that's a sh- that's a strategic advantage doing stuff that uh, most people ain't willing to do. Um, most people are not willing to go and go to somebody's house and change their oil and get all full of oil, right? That's another strategic advantage. And if you have no, if you have no like skills or anything else like that, what you need to learn is the skill of outworking everybody. I literally work seven days a week from 22 to 32, right? Like nonstop, six days a week. Some In the beginning, sometimes I work seven days a week. So you got to just do stuff that people ain't willing to do. Stack the odds in your favor. Um, just, just have a some type of, of strategic advantage that, that other people don't have, right? True that. So you've built your brand, you've learned how to get direct to sellers, build that, build that up, and you've also learned how to raise capital from the outside. Now you have all three of these skill sets. How were you able to purchase your first mobile home park? I want to dive into mobile home parks now. How were you able to do this? What did that first deal look like? Did you use all three of these to to be able to purchase that first one? Yeah, it was it was definitely it was a direct. Well, I got the deal from a realtor that knew I was an investor, so it was an off market deal uh, from the realtor. He brought it as a pocket listing, so I was able to make money on it um, that way. And I had already built up my credit. That's another huge thing that you guys need to work on is building your credit, right? When I bought my first mobile home park, I believe I was uh, probably 30, 36, 37, 36. Um, yeah, 36. You need to work on your credit because I was able to buy that park with with that. I, I didn't put any money down. I had built such a good a good rapport with my bank. And you want to build good rapport, with, especially you young guys just starting with small local community banks because you're going to get a lot better deals than big banks. True that. And I had bought that... I had bought that deal so cheap that it appraised for seven hundred fifty thousand, and I paid four hundred five for it. So I had three hundred thousand equity going into it, and I never had to put any money down. So I bought it with no money down, and I had such good credit, such good rapport with the bank. They knew I was a good businessman and had good, good tax returns. Another thing, thing is, don't hide cash. Deposit money, show good books, show good tax returns, so that you can become bankable. Right? How much? How many times I know people that have service-based businesses and they hide all their, they have a cash business, they hide all this cash, so they made thirty thousand dollars, they can't get approved for a four hundred thousand dollar house, right? Or three hundred thousand dollar house because they show they don't make enough money, but they but they made you know three hundred grand in cash. So you don't want to do that. Your 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 credit is more valuable than hiding 
money from the government so you don't have to pay taxes. Because if you understand real estate and you buy enough real estate, you won't pay taxes. They got a thing called depreciation, right? So don't hide your, don't, if you have a good cash business, deposit your money, buy a bunch of real estate to offset your taxes, build your credit. So uh, the, the thing I think is funny about the mobile home park, um, what I think is funny about it is that it's one of those things, just like the oil changing business, it's something that really most people don't want to get into because there's a bad cognitation to owning a trailer park. They think about it as dirty or not not being, uh, you know, a, a massive, beautiful mansion. You know, you, you think of, uh, you know, a dirty trailer park. Why exactly did you get into trailer parks? Well, this is this is um, about five, six years ago. And I had I had went through the whole cycle where I had talked to you in the beginning where I bought a bunch of single family homes and I. I just realized I didn't want to do that model, right? I was like, man, I'm 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 borrowing 125, 150,000 using debt to make 3 to 400 bucks a month, right? But an AC goes out, costs me 6 grand, there goes all of my profits for the whole year is done. Busted pipe, 500 bucks, there goes my profit for a month and a half, right? So once again, I go back to where I can cheat legally, morally, and ethically. Where do I have a strategic advantage? And prior to me starting the mobile home or buying my first mobile home park, I would get a ton of leads coming through my wholesaling business, my direct-to-seller marketing on people wanting to sell their mobile home to be moved. But I had no use for it because I didn't own any mobile home parks back then. But I had put two and two together. I was like, I bet you if I buy, because it had about eight, 10 spots empty. I said, I bet you if I buy this park, I can start buying those mobile homes for peanuts, pennies on the dollar. Because I had people like willing to sell me the trailer for five, 10 grand. These are nice trailers they had spent 40, 50, 60 grand on five, 10 years ago. And they really weren't messed up. So I can buy these trailers, haul them in there and set them up. And I bet you I can get, you know, I can get seven, 800 bucks a month, 900 bucks a month in rent. I might be all in ten thousand. How can I lose on an investment I'm paying ten grand for that I'm getting seven eight hundred bucks a month? I'm getting all my money back in the first year. Most people, most you people don't. cross their fingers to get their money back in the first ten years. Shit, on a single family home, you'd be lucky to get your money back in fifteen twenty right. years. Right. So this is this is goes back to what what I've been saying this whole time. Figure business is war. Figure out where you can cheat legally, morally, and ethically. And I was a way for me to cheat legally, morally, and ethically, and have an unfair advantage where I can buy from my wholesaling business all these trailers that wanted to be moved that people were selling because they were either built, buying a new trailer or they're building a house and they were moving into a brick on slab house. And I could pick up all these trailers for peanuts and haul them into these parks. So how does it work exactly with a trailer park? You um, buy a piece of land, you haul these trailers in, and you rent out the trailer. Uh, can people bring their own trailers? How does that work? Yeah, people can bring their own trailer. You got the lot rent model where you just own the, the dirt utilities and all that, and they, they pull their trailer and they pay what's called lot rent. Or you can own the dirt and own the trailers. That's that's mostly my portfolio consists of own the trailer and the dirt, and you can get higher rent. Or you can do a lot of, which I'll probably be going into the future, is doing a lot of owner finance. I own the, the real estate and the trailer, but I'll, I'll – owner finance the trailer to them where I don't have any maintenance and they basically pay me a mortgage over the next 10, 15 years and they'll own the trailer in 10, 15 years and it'll drop to lot rent after they pay off the trailer. So being a, a single family, it's, you know, a single family owner, like you said, I make three, 400 bucks off a unit. But again, you, you, somebody's, you know, something goes bad or a pipe bursts and that's 500 bucks. That's, that's a month and a half. What does cash flow look like for both models of the trailer park? This way, let's say somebody brings their own trailer. The what do you make off a plot? The, 
the uh, typically uh, somebody brings their own trailer. You gotta make you make depending on the on the area two fifty to five hundred bucks depending on the quality of the real estate that sits underneath. The returns are lackluster in that asset class because you can only charge so much, and, and they they sell for a lot lower cap rate than a, a park owned. Nobody wants to own the trailers, and that's another strategic advantage. That's why I did the park owned because nobody wants to own the trailers because they think the trailer pack, park trash or they fall apart, and they don't fall apart no less or no more than a single family home that's 20 years old or an apartment that's 20 years old. They sit on a metal frame and they have sheetrock and they got floors, they got subfloors and they got insulation and a roof and pipe, you know, plumbing. But guess what? If a pipe bursts, I just slide the the little skirting over and change out a $5 part and it might cost me 20 bucks with my maintenance guy, right? Pipe bursts underneath a concrete or in a single family home, it might cost you 1200 bucks. Right? Who knows? So it just there's a lot of added advantages. Now, do they appreciate as good as single family homes or apartments? Not so much, but I would they've appreciated a whole lot since I've owned them the past since COVID. So I, that kind of bur- burst that myth. But um, but I mean, do you have a little bit more rougher a tenant? Sure, you you have a little bit more rougher a tenant, but it's all boils down to, to management, right? It all listen. Anybody can be a real estate investor. Who's going to run it? Who's going to manage it? That is the most important part of being a professional real estate investor. But I like the mobile home park model because it's recession proof. I went through that recession in 2014. I saw how hard I got hit and nobody, you know, everybody was leaving my single family homes because I had nice high end single family homes. And I told myself, I'll never do that again. And my buddies that had lower end houses that were, you know, getting rent for seven, 800 bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month, they didn't miss a beat. Right. There's a lot more people that can afford a thousand bucks a month than, than can afford two thousand dollars a month or three thousand, right? No, that's that's a fair point. It's, it's crazy because uh, mobile home parks. It sounds like you're making more cash flow a month, and it's way less. Oh, absolutely. And you're making way and it's way less maintenance. So, what is well the maintenance cheaper? The maintenance it's not as way less maintenance, but the maintenance is cheaper. It's a lot right. cheaper to fix up. A mo- I can. Before COVID, before all the the run up on the prices, I could gut a mobile home and and make it brand new for eight to twelve grand. So it it sounds like to me because I've been researching a lot as well. The mobile home model with the uh, the recession proof, being able to get more cash flow with you know a little bit less maintenance than a regular traditional home reminds me of self storage facilities. Is that something that you've ever played with? I ha- I've had a small self storage. Now, just so I'm clear, there's still a lot of maintenance when you own the trailer, right? There's no maintenance when you don't do the trailer. Right when you when you have just lot rent, right? Because you only got to take care of the land and grass and something breaks a water line. the The ideal model that we're we're gearing towards because I've rehabbed, whew, I've rehabbed hundreds of trailers now. We're, we're fixing them all up. We're holding them for two to four years, paying down our getting all our money back, paying down our debt, and then we're gonna once they turn again, we're gonna we're gonna own a finance the trailers and start selling off all the trailers on mortgages for like 15, 20 years. And that way I don't have any maintenance, but I get the high rent. I get a thousand bucks a month for the next 15 years, but I don't have any maintenance because it's their trailer. And then in 15 years, my, all my debt will be paid off. Then I can just drop down the lot rent and they're still going to pay me, but I ain't going to have all the maintenance guys still paying me by then, you know, four or 500 bucks lot rent. That's the model. That's just genius. You're kind of mixing the two together. You, yep. You're bringing the trailer, you're selling the trailer, they're owner financing it. So now they kind of own the trailer. They pay you monthly for the trailer but there's no maintenance and then eventually they own the trailer and then it moves into the, just the lot style where they own the trailer and they're just paying you still monthly for the lot. And that sounds like the most genius way to do it. Yep. 
that that's that's what we're moving towards well awesome i appreciate that chris always given the, the brutal truth the honest truth not sugarcoating things um i love when people just kind of lay it out there on the line and just kind of just say what the reality is right this this is a industry where people could look at it from the outside and think oh he's so lucky or oh he's this oh it's that it seems so nice but at the end of the day yes you can create a nice life for yourself you can be financially free you can control where you are you could have kids and you can spend your time at your kids' baseball games and you can really create that freedom for yourself but, but yep. let's not get it twisted there's a lot of hard work that went into getting to where you want to get it takes years to get there consistency and not everything is butterflies and rainbows there's going to be downfalls there's going to be times where things are hard and you're going to have to grab yourself by the balls remember why you're here why you're doing this and get back up and keep going and it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows so i appreciate you giving that absolutely and showing the people that it, it there is two sides to this yeah and look everything's hard it's hard to hold a job for 40 years it, it's hard to do the same career for 40 years it's hard to only make you know six figures or, you know, eight, 80,000 or a hundred grand your whole life. That's hard too. pick your hard. Why don't you do something that's scalable, do something that where you can make a lot of money. If you're going to do a hard thing, do something that makes a lot of money, right? It's all hard. True that. I'd rather it be hard and me be building something for myself than be that's right. a bitch, bitch and working for somebody and building their, their empire for them the rest of my life. That's all you're doing. And that's all you're doing. And you, and you ain't got, like I said, I told you early in the podcast, you ain't got to be that smart. You don't need more brains, guys. You need more balls. Just hang on. Don't quit. Put it in four low and just keep moving. You will get there. No doubt. No doubt. So for the final question, it's sponsored by the Asset Estate Discord community. If you're not in the community and you want to learn how to do real estate, you're going to want to check that out. The final question sponsored is, what is the craziest real estate story or experience you have gone through in your years um, I'm sure owning trailer parks, you've probably seen some crazy stuff. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm going to give you three quick stories. because I got <laughs> The first... Like I said, with the trailer park, I'm sure you probably yeah. got 100. But <laughs> yeah, but, but the whole the wholesaling story is I, I was trying to wholesale a deal and this girl, she was a meth head and she was bad shape, man. And she uh, the day before the closing, she told me that... Um, she wasn't going to close the deal unless I brought her a hundred dollars to her house. Um, and, um, it was just terrible because, you know, she, she needed money and she was, I could tell she's either smoking meth or something. And then she, I knew what she needed it for. So I had to go run meet her at the house, like the day before the closing or she wasn't going to close. So that's one. And that, that's the reality of being a professional wholesaler, right? That's what you're going to see stuff like that. Secondly, I lent money to an African queen here in Louisiana that married a true African king from uh, Ecuadorial New Guinea, a, a, a Western African country. I lent money to, to some girl that, that was from where I'm from who met him in college and ended up finding me somehow or another and called me and asked to, to borrow money. And I got together with another guy and lent money to a girl to a, a true African queen. Now she, by marriage, her husband had divorced her who was a true African queen. And she lived in like this three, $4 million mansion gold. I mean, top gold statues, like a, like kind of African theme. It was super freaking cool. I, um, her husband left and she needed money and she borrowed a hundred thousand dollars from me and a buddy of mine and gave us back 50 grand a week or two later. 
So that's another real estate so on a private money lending deal. Pretty good return. Yeah. Um, third story. 50, 50% in, in a week? Two weeks. I think it was about two weeks. Two, two, three. 50% in two weeks can't, can't be that. that at all. Then um, I bought a mobile home park and it it was a shithole park. It's one of the, it was a, it was ba- so basically what I buy is I buy shit parks in great areas and I'll buy a great park in a shit area. I can replace the trailers. I can't replace the real estate. This is a park in Denham Springs, uh, Louisiana, right outside of Baton Rouge, a, a good part of Denham Springs, seven, $800,000 houses all around them. And literally I bought this park and they had meth heads everywhere. They were making bonfires and you got, you got a dude banging his sister in the background. They were fighting roosters in the other corner it was like a war zone. No teeth, f- sunken faces from doing meth, pink and purple hair, like an absolute shit show. And we bought it. We, it took us three months and we called the cops every other day for the first two or three weeks and then about every other week for the next two months to get it right. And that's the reality, you know, buying distressed, you know, mobile home parks, even stress, distressed assets. I was willing to do that because it was in such a good area. So anyway, that's the reality of, of real estate, right? That's, that's the craziest stories I've got. I got more. Real, real life trailer park boys. Real life trailer park that's boys. That's right. Love to hear it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, bro, I just want to say I appreciate all the value. Just, you know, being, you know, I don't want to say you're old because you're definitely not old. And I feel like you got that young spirit to you. So, but but you have, but you're not, but you're wise. I'd say you're wise, not old, you're wise. But so I just appreciate you bringing that value and sharing your experiences, letting people know the, the hard truths, the realities of, of what you're going to be getting into, and just giving back to the youth and uh, you know those experiences for a life that you've created for yourself. Uh, so I just want to say I appreciate it, and um, I wish you the best of luck with the trailers and um, with everything moving forward, and um, that's really all I got. Yeah, and if, if you guys want to follow me, I give content like this all the time on my Instagram. I, sure, yeah, Instagram. I do stories and reels all the time about entrepreneurial business, you know, uh, family, marriage, the whole nine yards. At, at follow me at Real Estate Rude uh, on Instagram, and you can follow me at Chris Rude Entrepreneur on my business page on Facebook. Just hit the like button on my personal page, Chris Rude. I max out on friends. Just press the follow button. Uh, YouTube, Chris Rude Real Estate or uh, Chris Rude Entrepreneur. Uh, LinkedIn, um, but yeah, TikTok. I, I, I put out content all all over there, and if. You're interested in you know maybe some coaching or coming to one of my masterminds? You go to chrisrude.com. You pick up my free book, uh, the source of the deal.com. If you want a free ebook, it kind of tells my story how I got started and how how you, you can get started in wholesaling. So appreciate you having me. I love the young entrepreneurs. I think uh, you guys are the you guys are the future, man. The future of the American economy. So I want to give back as much value and, and try to help you learn easily what I labored hard for.